0: Thank you. Let's start with a prayer, and it'll be a quick prayer. So pay attention. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So glorify God with your body. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So every story I tell is true as well as factual. This one time, when I was at St. Mary's at Texas A&M University, any Aggies? Whoop. Um, okay. And by the way, I was with this uh, priest called Father David Condorla. Uh, and so Father David Kondala, uh, he and I were colleagues and friends. By the way, when he found out I invented the nun run, he was like, "Uh, uh, uh, we're going to do the seminary sprint." <laughs> and so, thus, that was born. Uh, so, but this one time, I was RCA director, and St. Mary's was in the process of like getting heat and air, air conditioning. It's in Texas, right? So it was like a real big deal. We just did it in the fall, but. The heat wasn't there, and it actually got cold in Texas. And so I said to the RCA, um, my my deacon as RCA director, I said, Deacon Bill, can we please warm up the water because it's going to be freezing when the people go into the baptismal font. He goes, sure, sure, sure. I'm a Boy Scout person too. And so he boiled water in the morning, and then it was time for 9 o'clock mass. And then when these poor Aggies were ready to be baptized, it was scalding. And so, Father Mike Sis, who's now Bishop Mike Sis, normally he's like takes his time and baptizes. So then he was like, I baptize you in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So they got out quickly. So they were all baptized. It was fine. But did you know that sacraments are dangerous? <laughs> uh huh, pretty dangerous because we almost scalded the poor Aggies. And then the next day at daily mass, Father David Condorla gets up there and he's like, Yeah. You know what? We Catholics, we we love baptism because you know what we did yesterday to these Aggies? We burned the hell out of them. (laughs) (laughs) I know, indeed. Okay, so Bishop David Condorla, I'm I'm so grateful that he and his staff have brought me in. I'm Monica Ashour. I'm looking forward to presenting the truth of the theology of the body and how that applies to the sacraments. So when people hear the term theology of the body, most Catholics have never heard about it, they often think it equals sex. And so what I'd like to do for you is I would like to show you a different perspective, especially from me, a single woman, and I would like to help you to understand theology of the body first. Last night at the the, um, little dinner thing, I went around, do you know theology of the body? Most people have said no, so I'd like to introduce that to you. Then we're going to apply it to the sacraments. And then I'm hoping that you as catechists and leaders, I could give you a little bit of tools to reach those children who are in desperate need of this message. Okay, so here we go. I used to be a teacher, so I'm going to start with a quiz question for you. How do you know that you're human? How do you know that you're human? When I go around the country giving talks about this, most people say really good things like, I have a soul, I can ponder, I can love, I have freedom, things like that. You know what? Children actually say the better answer. They'll say something like, I have a nose. Uh Uh-huh. In other words, have you ever thought the reason why we know that we're human is? Your body, my body. We can count how many persons, how many humans are in this room by counting how many bodies. That's my main thing to let you know. And then perhaps if you did not pass that quiz, here's your makeup quiz. How do you know that you're male or female? How do you know that you're male or female? And yes, the answer is your body. How important it is to know the truth of who we are with regard to our body. In fact, um, Let me turn this portable mic over. And I just wanted to um, make sure that we understand this about the truth of the body. So I'm gonna go to my cousin, Mary Burns, And her husband, Deacon John, yeah, so um, would you say that you married that you are female? Yes. Okay. And John, would you say that your wife is female? Yes. Okay. And would you say that you are male? Yes. How do you know that you're male? No, don't answer that. (laughs) (laughs) When I give talks to teens, I pull away the mic, and I'm like, you have a boy body, or for a man, a male body. Do you see how important this is? If we are meant to reach children with the truth of this, do not skip over the body. Don't skip over the body because the body is so important. In fact, Pope John Paul in this Theology of the Body, this huge book that I'll show you in just a second, do you know how many times he uses the word soul in the Theology of the Body? 55 times. How many times does he use the word spirit? 91 times. What about the body? 1,319 times. I would suggest to you that if we don't start talking about the body, we're going to lose another generation of children. The largest growing population is nuns, N-O-N-E-S, whereby people check the box. I have no religious affiliation. This is the theology of the body by Pope John Paul, and I highly, highly recommend you don't get it, It's really dense and philosophical and, but it's really what we need in this time. We had Augustine in the 300s, 800 years later, God gave us St. Thomas Aquinas. 800 years later, St. John Paul. We need his theology of the body. In fact, he says about his own work, the late Holy Father, that it's the best method of reaching modern person. So let me try to show you this and unveil for you the truth of um, who we are in Jesus Christ. Okay, so let's go back to uh, my quiz, because the answer is has to do with the fact that you and I are not an avatar. Have you all seen the movie Surrogate Inception Avatar, where you fly around this blue thing, and your body just doesn't really matter? Only my interior self matters. So Pope John Paul diagnoses the culture's problem nowadays, and it's called detachment. Those of you who are familiar with the word detachment according to St. John the Cross, that means we should be detached from materialism pride. The way Pope John Paul uses the word detachment is in a negative. That we unfortunately think that the body has no meaning. How can you have sacraments if you don't have a body? I think Pope John Paul saw this and so he gives us the theology of the body. How about this? How do you know this? How do you know that you're human? How do you know you're male or female? How do you know that I'm not two? How do you know when you're hungry, thirsty, et cetera, et cetera? Guess what the answer is? Yes, the body. I go around the country and I mostly talk about the body and the children, like sometimes with all of this, it takes them 40 minutes to finally know, oh, the word is body. This is my main thing that I would give to you today, that the body is like a teacher. A teacher, the best teacher you ever had, not your worst teacher. And it helps us to understand many things. In fact, this is my first grade book, The Body Teaches Many Lessons. And guess what's one thing I have in this book? The body teaches us we're human. Why is that so important? Because my guess is in 50 years, the children might think that transhumanism is the way to live. Transhumanism means things like, Um, putting implants in our brains, or only being virtual reality. This book and The Theology of the Body, I would say, helps them to understand, no, virtual reality is not the truth of the human person. Another thing, guess what this covers? It covers the fact that if you have a boy body, you're a boy. If you have a girl body, you're a girl. And we all know, like I know someone very dear to me who's struggling um, with identity and transgender, so this is not mean-spirited, but it's giving the truth of who we are. Because otherwise, how are we going to have the sacraments? The sacraments make no sense unless we understand human nature. So let me continue on this with regard to the word of the day is body, of course. Now, let's, what I'd like to do today is I'd like to give you a little bit of a snippet of the theology of the body. It usually takes me about an hour. I'm going to do it in about five minutes. And then I'm going to get to the reality of the sacraments, veiling and unveiling. And then finally, this is my favorite part ever, we're going to talk about really the source of all the sacraments and how that makes a difference in your life and my life as we encounter Jesus Christ. So let's do the brief overview. This is Pope John Paul's thesis, the body and only the body is capable of making visible the invisible realities, the spiritual and the divine. He says only the body So, let's unpack this. Have you ever thought about the fact that the body is like a sacrament? Pope John Paul says the body is like a sacrament. What's a sacrament? A visible sign that reveals and brings about an invisible reality. So, this is my fifth grade book, The Body as Sacrament. Sacrament. These fifth graders, faith formation or Catholic schools or homeschool, they get to see, oh, the truth of the body being a sacrament, and then we apply it to other sacraments. So, what I would say to you is do not skip over the fact that the body is like a sacrament. Let me move on again. I usually do that for um, this talk for a longer time. How about divinity? How does the body reveal divinity? In other words, if I ask you this question, how are you made in God's image and likeness? What would you say? Most people would say something like this, because I have an intellect, I have a soul, things like that. Those are good answers. But have you ever thought that the body reveals God? Which is a bizarre thing, because this is my diagram of God before anything else was created. The arrows mean gift of self or relationality or love. So notice that before any black holes, before stars, before anything else existed, only three persons existed, the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the Father gives the gift of self to the Son by giving. The Son gives the gift of self by receiving, reciprocity, And the Holy Spirit is the uncreated fruit of love. Therefore, we could say that all love is going to be giving, receiving, reciprocity, and then open to others. Huh. I'm going to get to how we reveal God later, but Pope John Paul says the best natural sign of God's very inner life of love is marriage and family life. This giving, receiving, reciprocity, and being open to children This is part of what the theology of the body is about. That's why people often think about it it being sex, because of this part of the theology of the body. But let's not forget that Jesus Christ himself calls himself the bridegroom. All through scripture, it's about God who wants to be in a personal relationship with us. And he is in Jesus Christ. Even you men in this audience, you need to see yourself as receiving grace, love from Jesus Christ. And so if we put all of those three realities together, this is my theology of the body, T-O-B, in a nutshell. Look at what I put in the middle, marriage and family life. The more you know about that middle reality, the more you're going to know about to the left, which is God himself. The more you know about God, the more you know about marriage and family life. And then go to the right. When you know about marriage and family life, you're going to know about what it means to be in a marriage and vice versa those reflect each other. This is like theology of the body. So if someone goes home and says, what is theology of the body? Think about this diagram. Think about what we need to know about marriage and family life, and then we know about God, and then we know about Catholicism. It's a true and factual story. Um, I was getting into the car in, in Irving, Texas. That's where Tobit um, is, theology of the body evangelization team. And this woman said, Monica, thank, I just want to thank you. And I said. Uh, I don't remember who you are. And then she said, no, you've never met me, but you gave a retreat to a whole bunch of college students in Arkansas. And I'm like, oh, yeah, there were over 100. And she goes, I don't know why my sister had gone to that retreat because she had fallen away from the Catholic Church. But she heard the theology of the body, and now she's back and active in the church. The reason why I'm sharing this to you is because if people think that theology of the body is about sex, They're missing out on what it's meant to lead us to. That encounter with Jesus Christ in a profound way. What is under attack today in the culture? Marriage and family life. You see, when we don't get that right, then so much we don't understand more, especially about the sacraments. You might say this. You see the right hand with Christ giving to the church? You might say the sacraments are part of that section. Where Jesus Christ wants to encounter all of us. Okay, so that was my brief overview. Um, now let's get to more about the sacraments. And so what I'd like to do is, I would like to, um, I'd like to tell you this. Um, well, okay. Hopefully you won't hold this against me, but I would say this: that Jesus is a flirt. He's a real flirt. Because you know what flirting is? Let me demonstrate. It is veiling and unveiling. It's hiding and inviting. It is this idea of, you might call it Uh, peekaboo. Why do I say that? Because don't you have something in your life? Haven't you had experience in your life where you're like, oh, there's God? And there's no mistake about it. Those are what I call the veiling and unveiling moments of our life. So this is true and factual. One time when uh, I was on a plane to go give a talk, there was a stranger next to me, and we exchanged pleasantries. And then I got out my spiritual reading. I brought the... The book by Father de Kassad, the um, sacrament of the present moment, sacrament of the present moment. Basically, there are no coincidences what Kassad was telling me. I'm like, yeah, that's so neat. No co- coincidences. Then the woman to my right, the stranger, got out the same book. <laughs> I-, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's about no coincidences. <laughs> and I was like so, you know, distraught and scared of God that I hit her with the book, and I shouldn't have done that. Um, and then we started, we started talking, and I'm like, wow, okay. This is one of those God incidences. This is the veiling and unveiling. This is where God wanted Monica Ashour to understand more about the fact that he is Emmanuel, God is with us. What about you? You could probably tell. We could get everyone to tell a story in this microphone. Have you ever had another story like this? This is true and factual. One time, um, a few years ago, I was really worried about my bank account. You know, I run a nonprofit and whatever, and then I'm just like, so I went to the teller, and I'm like, here's my, you know, number. Could you tell me how much money I have in my bank account? So she, you know, looked it up, and then she was like, she looked at me strangely, and she said, zero. I said, not negative one, not positive five, you know, cents. No, zero. She goes, you wrote a check for $217.67 to your electric company. And that's how much you had in the... To me, that's the veiling and unveiling. Now, if you're atheist, you're like, see, God hates you, you know. No. Wait, if you're atheist, you wouldn't say God. Uh, So... uh, noticed in my mind, that was God's unveiling saying, Monica, don't worry. I got you covered. I got you covered. And sure enough, one time I was yelling at him and I'm like, I'm going to have to get another job because you're not providing for Tobit. How dare you? And then the next day, Lamar Hunt Jr., you know, Kansas City chief owners, it's the only time I cheer against the Cowboys. He gave a hundred thousand dollars to Tobit over three years. These are moments undoubtedly where God is piercing through the veil, which by the way happens at every sacrament. You wanna bring children to Jesus Christ and his church, please mention the church too, I'll tell you why. Then mention these unveiling moments, these sacred, mysterious times where we get to encounter God, but don't skip over the body. Notice, none of that, God, I wasn't just standing there, give me money God, no. I had to look on email. Lamar Hunt Jr. had to do all of this. It's with the body. God could have just like decided to zap us spiritually, but he doesn't. He uses sensible. He uses our senses as a way to encounter. Now, if you come to my third talk, I'm going to develop that with regard to human nature. And then I'm going to lead up to the, the issue of transgenderism and how the sacraments can help us to go against... The transgender ideology not the person but the ideology it's fascinating how we need the sacraments to help us in society and to help people in society okay let me um, move on so this is veiling and unveiling moments this is my diagram in one of my um, eighth grade books notice what happens here it's God the Father Son and Holy Spirit through Christ in the church who permeates our lives you know whether it's a daily event of soccer or a teacher instructing or caring for someone. All of these are encounters with God, but it's through the body. So we might think about the truth of this, that God is going to encounter all of us, not just in the sacraments. Veiling and unveiling is, you know, moment by moment sometimes. But here's what Pope Benedict says about the sacramental view He says, it's the transparency of the biological toward the eternal. The transparency of the biological toward the eternal. What does he mean by that? Well, you know what transparency, you can like see through it. But it's through biology. It's through the physical, our five senses, whereby God is trying to draw us to himself in that personal encounter. So when we say things like, they got to love Jesus and And I add that Jesus and the church, then how do you do that? Then you point to the body. You point to bodily events. You help them to understand, oh, God is present. He's not this God who's like high in the sky and never cares. God encounters us in a human way, in a very human way. And the sacraments are similar. With regard to the sacraments, sorry, they're kind of small, but you can see there's seven of them. Through Christ and the church, we get the seven sacraments, and they are encounters with God. Have you ever done that, you know, in in, in one of your um, um, sacraments when you really receive Christ, and he does something in a particular way? This is a true and factual story. Um, Bishop David Konderland knows that this happened to me while I was at Texas A&M. I was engaged, but the guy called off the marriage 10 days before he we was supposed to get married. 10. It was so devastating. Like, I was like, if God exists, I'm out. No, I don't believe in him. Because how dare he do that? Now, obviously, I went back on that because here I am. I'm not atheist. Um, and so, it was really, really difficult. Okay, now... Fast forward two years after that, I had worked through stuff, I was still part of the church. And then my ex-fiance brought his girlfriend around, his new girlfriend. I'm like, what? Get her out of here! You know, how dare you, whatever. So I just like went to the church because it was almost time for daily mass. And I sat up in the front because he was a good Catholic too, and I knew she would be there. My enemy. And so there we were at mass together, my enemy and me, and I was like yelling at God within my body. And I'm like, how dare you do this? And and so this is simmering during mass. And then before communion, I'm like, Lord, am I in mortal sin? (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't receive. But I felt like, okay, no, those are just feelings. So I said, okay, if I receive, do you promise me that you're going to say something to me? And I felt like he said yes. I'm like, okay, cool. So I went up and received the Eucharist. And then I went back and I'm like, oh yeah, we're body to body with each other. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, this is profound, whatever. And then I looked up and then my enemy was receiving my Lord at that moment. And I thought to myself, she's not my enemy. She's my sister. Actually, I didn't think it. That's what I felt like Jesus said, not auditory she's your sister and I'm like oh okay I get it and then I actually prayed for her you see these are moments whereby maybe you can share with the children and the youth that you're working with those moments stories are so incredibly important when we reach children if we only give them this intellect how do we get to the heart I think it's through stories and stories that include the body so that they don't think that we're just spiritual beings. We are human beings, not spiritual beings. And so every sacrament has a visible sign and something that we can't see is going on. With the sprinkling and pouring of water, immersion, we are sharing in divine nature. We are really participating in divinity. Let me repeat that. Do you know that one of the main things that Christianity is about, Catholicism is about, is that the Son became human so that humans can participate in divinity? That's it. The main reason why baptism is so important is because those who don't share in the same nature cannot be in close union. Because of baptism, we share in divinity, and therefore... We can be in union with God. That's my next talk. I'm going to go into more detail with the three sacraments of initiation. Do you understand this? So huge. When I talk to children, especially teens, <laughs> I'll have um, uh, some boys and girls get up on this chair. And I'm like, okay, it's the incarnation. And I'll have some one boy, like, he's hanging. It's like Jesus, like, they're holding him in the air. I'm like, it's the, not the incarnation. He's only spirit. He's only spirit. He's only spirit. And then they drop him. <laughs> yes, now the incarnation has occurred. That's what happens, that the Son became human to give us divinity so that now we can be in union with God. This is good news, really good news. And and by the way, y'all know about all the other like distinctions with the sacrament, like sacrament of desire Sacrament, you know, what's the other one called? In blood, whatever that other one. And then in a normal way. So just the caveats there for baptism. And then what about marriage? Because remember, mar- the more we know about marriage, the more we know about the sacraments. What marriage? Free, full, faithful, and fruitful, that marital union. What's happening invisibly is that God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit are there with the couple they are there. The Holy Spirit especially is with the couple in that sacred act, which is free, full, faithful, and fruitful. I'll say this in another way. With This is a true and factual story. Um, every month, I or my team, we um, give talks to 36 engaged couples for the Fort Worth Diocese. And all of them, almost all of them, are already living together. They don't know. They're going to the hoops to get the sacrament. And when they hear theology of the body, they're like, No one ever told us that sex means I'm married to you and I'm open to having children with you. I would suggest that's because we forgot to talk about the body. We've forgotten that the body matters, which is why I named my whole program The Body Matters for preschool through eighth grade. The body matters significantly, and it changes these young adults' life. They understand the truth. And many of them, when they check the evaluation, they're going to wait till marriage because now they finally understand that the body matters and sex therefore matters. This is really good news that Pope John Paul has given to us. So ultimately, sacraments are encounter with Christ. He gives and you and I are meant to receive in return. This is my uh, this is my second grade book, The Body and Holy Mass. Think about the children that have received this teaching, they're going to understand that the body matters so much that it's Jesus' body that comes into your body. And because your body reveals all of you, because we often think about the word body means just the biological. No, it's the transparency of the biological toward the eternal, toward the human first and then the eternal. And then they see, like one of my pictures is about like, St. John Paul is there. St. Therese is there. All this beautiful illustration. What is that capturing for them? Their imagination that something invisible is going on. Why do you think we have smells and bells? Why do we have incense? Why do we have all of these things? Because we are meant to be awakened through the biological so that we understand that something really special is going on at that moment the transparency of the biological toward the eternal, whereby you and I get to encounter Jesus as a gift. That's one of the second words that I hope that you get from my talk, body and gift. And children, when they understand that, will be all for the better with regard to that. Okay, let me keep going. So what I wanted to apply for you is just one specific theology of the body thing that I think really happens, um, really matters. So... Holiness is this, ready? Holiness is when you have a pure heart and your bodily actions follow. Holiness. Notice, it has to do with the body. So one of the things you might say to children, fourth graders, twelfth graders, is your bodies matters so much that holiness means you know something is right in your well-formed conscience, your pure heart, not the heart like, listen to your heart, no. Not the, not the like gushy heart, we mean the well-formed conscience, the heart that has that inner sanctuary, as the catechism says, where God speaks. And so then, with your bodily actions, you do that. For instance, right now, most of y'all are being holy. You know in your pure heart, you're supposed to listen to me, make eye contact, don't forget to laugh at my jokes. And then, With your bodily actions, when you laugh, that's holiness because it's your pure heart knowing and your bodily action doing that. The body and soul together, how important that is. And then you might apply it to everyday life. You know in your pure heart, let's say the third grader, fourth grader, that you're supposed to only be on the computer one hour. And then with your bodily action, you're there for one hour. That's holiness. But what if you're on the computer for more than an hour? what happens then? Well, you are rupturing your body from your heart. You are splitting yourself body from heart. When I give talks to junior high there, and I got permission to carry a butcher knife. Uh, They get scared. Uh, And then so I have this foam board and I'm like, Johnny, you know, in your pure heart, you're supposed to be doing that. Don't cheat. And you don't cheat, then you're holy. But what if you cheat with your bodily action? So then I start cutting it apart And they're like freaking out, these junior high. And then finally, I'm like, How are you feeling, Johnny? And he's like, Oh, sin doesn't only hurt our relationship with God, sin doesn't only hurt our relationship with others, sin hurts us. It's like we're rupturing ourselves, body from soul. One time I gave a talk to about 70 uh, junior high, and this boy raised a hand and goes, Ma'am, are you saying I'm splitting myself all day long? Okay, do you see what sin did to this young man because we're talking about the body? Sin became this, it was this abstraction, detachment. And now it's like, oh, I can really be holy because I can know what's right and do it with my bodily action. Think about it, who never sinned? Jesus and Mary. They never, ever, they always knew what was right and they always did it with their bodily action, even though they were tempted not to. So when Jesus says in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, let this cup pass, but your will, I would take that to mean he was thinking about, he knew he should go to the cross, but his bodily action, he's like, no, 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 no. I don't wanna go to the cross. So temptation is like, "I'm, I'm thinking about splitting, but he didn't split himself. And so he was doing the Father's will. Think about that. When you're teaching this to children, the truth of holiness, And then the sacraments are the way of, like, receiving it. People always call it receiving grace. What is grace? It's that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit love. It's not gasoline. It's God. We're receiving the indwelling of God to allow us to keep our body and our souls together. How fantastic is that? Okay, let me make sure I get to the next thing, which is, So, you know, notice the transparency of this illustration. This again is in the body and sacrament. Help them to see, like, whenever that you go to confession, imagine Jesus Christ there. Like, the priest is really representing Jesus. What this is showing is through that sense perceptible action, something invisible is going on that's invisible to the eye. It's invisible to the eye. And what are the times that god does this veiling and unveiling mostly at sacraments but i would say also when people are suffering and or when they're near death have you ever experienced this this is true and factual this has to do with my mom before she died the night before we she died we knew that she was dying and so we took her home from the hospital and there she was at her own house she was very happy very coherent My niece, Anna, who's a nurse, she wanted to give her pain medication, and Grandma said no, my mom said no. She wanted to experience that. And then, my mom looked beyond us. I don't know what she was seeing, but she must have been seeing someone because she looked puzzled with the language of her body, and then she recognized the person and smiled the biggest smile ever. Turned the other way. Recognize somebody else. Smiled a bit. 20 minutes. The veiling and unveiling, it was amazing. It is real. This thing called heaven, this thing called the supernatural is real. But notice, even my mom at the point of death was experiencing something that she could see visibly. She must have seen something that through, you know Through the, the visibility, I don't know how God did that. Maybe she saw my father, her husband, who had died five months previously. It is real. Do you believe? Because how can you pass this on to others if you don't believe in this visible and invisible, the unveiling and veiling? Yes, indeed, it is true. But let's keep going because let's get to the source. How is all this possible? Everything I've told you? Like, what is the source of all the sacraments? Okay, here's like my favorite part. I haven't given this talk in a long time, so I'm super happy. Okay, so now I'm going to do a little bit of TOB to get to the truth of the sacraments. So, we might say, based on what Pope John Paul says, that a person is a solitude for union and communion. A person is a solitude for union and communion. So right now, my body and soul together, union. And then communion. I'm in communion with you. This togetherness, communion of persons. But there's something about me being a solitude. I'm never going to be a blob person with you. No. No wonder I used to be scared about Star Trek. Have you ever seen, like, the Borg? The Borg scared me to death because, like, you get part of the Borg, and then you lose yourself. I'm like, ah! Now I know. That wasn't theology of the body. You and I are going to be together now and in heaven, but you'll remain yourself. You will remain a solitude, but in communion. Okay, so now let me tell you about what Pope John Paul says about Adam. Do you know the first time in the Bible that God said something is not good? It's there. Adam was alone. That is the first suffering any human went through. The first suffering is this, when Adam knows that he was alone. And Pope John Paul says, Adam was in search of his identity. How did he know he was alone? The body. The body, once again, the body. He knew his human body. There were no other bodies there. And think about this. This is kind of a sidebar. God was with him. Huh. How is he alone if God, what I think that says is God wants you and me to need each other. It's not just the vertical. It's the horizontal that we need. And the sacraments give us both. Encounter with God and encounter with each other. I'll elaborate that in my next talk. So Adam knew he was alone because there were no other human bodies like his. So the deep sleep rib comes out and then God makes Eve. And what does he say? Whoa, man. No, he doesn't say that. Nor does he say, spirit of my spirit and soul of my soul. He points to her body, her physicality, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. That's a covenantal oath. Right then and there, what did he know? By her body, he knew the meaning of life. Eve knew through his and her body the meaning of life. This is what Pope John Paul says. You know what the meaning of life is? Genesis 2.25 gives it to you. They were naked and unashamed. Meaning of life. One time I gave a talk to older teens. And one boy raised his hand and goes, man, was the Pope on drugs when he wrote that? How could naked and unashamed be the meaning of life? It's because they had what is called the interior look. They had a pure heart. And they knew what was right, good, true, and beautiful. And with their bodily action, they saw each other as gifts. First and foremost, they knew that they were of the same nature, human. Secondly, their bodies were distinct enough, male and female, that they knew the meaning of life. And the meaning of life is none other than love. Now I go back to when I said, how are we made in God's image and likeness? Most of all, love. And then I say to you, can you love without your body? Try to love someone without your body. I talked to Molly and Jerry. Is that right? Molly and Jerry? Um, could you stand up, please? Now, notice their body. Stand up, you two. Okay, notice their body. Stand up your body. Okay, they've been married for 59 years. Uh-huh. Okay. Oh, oh, stay up, stay up, stay up, stay up, stay up, stay up. You're going to image God in just a second. Now, first of all, why did y'all start doing this? Why didn't y'all, like, just beam them? Oh, I'm happy for you. From your spirit to their spirit. You see, the body matters. You're basically saying, we, you know, this, for some reason, means we're happy for you. Okay, now, sir... Would you kindly kiss your wife on the cheek? <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Do it again, but this time I want you to freeze. Ready? Kiss her, and you got to freeze. Keep that kiss going. Ready? Go. Freeze. Okay. This is an image of God. You see, because he's giving He's loving this. He's giving. <laughs> okay, y'all can sit down. Very good. Good. <laughs> So he was giving the gift of self to her by giving. She was giving the gift of self by receiving. And then we're all bonded together more. Love is giving, love is receiving, and love is open to others. They just image God right there. You see, love is the meaning of life. But we can only do that with our bodies. And the same thing goes with regard to the sacraments. The body matters so much so that their invisible love was made visible through their bodies just now. In other words, their bodies were a sacrament of each other and a sacrament of God, for God is love. This is um, in my, uh, I think it's in my sixth grade book, The Body of Christ. So there's this Adam and Eve. Notice the body is a witness to creation as a fundamental gift and therefore a witness to love, Adam and Eve before the fall. But then what happened only three, I mean, seven verses later, Genesis 2.25, love, meaning of life, the fall occurred. What Pope John Paul says in the theology of body is the breaking of the covenant with God and the human heart brought disunion, division. What happened? Instead of seeing the body as a revelation of the person, the body is now seen as an object. And in my third talk, it's going to be an object to manipulate to be whatever I think I should be. Instead of, my body is a gift to you. Make no mistake about it. This, Genesis 3, 7, means they have to cover themselves because they don't see each other's body in the right way. So, what, what does suffering do? This is according to Pope John Paul's um, on the Christian meaning of suffering. Suffering contains within itself a singular challenge to communion and solidarity. Remember, we're getting to the source of the sacraments. It's a particularly hard thing with regard to suffering. Can someone suffer for you? No. But a mom often suffers with, by the way. Okay, I can't get into that. So here we go, this is my um, eighth grade book. It's called Catholicism for Every Body. Every one of the titles has the word body in it. And in this book for eighth grade, I have this. You're like, eighth graders should have this? Because what? Let me read this to you. I call them the dark pages. And then my favorite. And don't worry, there's hope. Okay? It doesn't end in death. I wonder why. The solitude of the cross. So before I read it, what I wanted to tell you is what I'm trying to do. Remember the solitude of Adam? He was all alone. And then he was in union. Think about Jesus' solitude on the cross. And then we're going to tie it into the sacraments. The solitude of the cross, Christ's crucifixion, involved every kind of suffering, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. It is a paradox that in order to bring us into union with his Father, Jesus himself had to suffer a total loss of union. He experienced the extreme of isolation before his death. On the cross, he was completely alone. He belonged neither to heaven nor earth. His body hung between them in a no-man's land. The world rejected Jesus. His friends abandoned him. He was mocked and spat upon. He even let go of his own mother. And he cried out to his father in heaven, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus knew total isolation. Why? For you. This is the mystery of the cross. Out of love for us, he chose to experience this isolation to save us from eternal isolation. In other words, his was an experience of hell. What is hell? Ultimate loneliness. Ultimate isolation. No communion. The opposite of God's plan for us. The sacraments all work because of this moment. All the sacraments, you might say, propel us back in space and time to the forsakenness of the Son by the Father. The sacraments plug us in to Calvary. The sacraments allow us to be in communion with God and others because Jesus at one moment was not in communion with others. Could you translate this to like fourth graders? I'm hoping that you can. Like imagine a time when you were lonely. Well, everyone else was playing on video games. I didn't want to, you know, you can, you know, help them to unpack this. But make sure for the little kids, you should not mention the crucifixion unless you mention the resurrection. That's Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, which informed my books as well. Okay. And then some of y'all are like, yeah, but he was quoting Psalm 22. True. But here's what Pope John Paul says, not in the theology of the body, but in suffering, in his encyclical about suffering. Christ perceives the suffering, which is the separation, the rejection by the Father, the estrangement from God. I mean, are y'all like me? Like before I read The Theology of the Body and I started doing this extrapolation. By the way, this is not in The Theology of the Body. It's Monica Ashauer's extrapolation. I never had any idea what was going on in the sacraments. I didn't know. I didn't know. So when a kid gets baptized, like a little infant, and I'm at the parish, and everyone else is like, oh, cute, he's laughing, all this other stuff. I'm shaking. I'm like... Oh, my gosh, this child does not have divine life yet. This child does not share in divinity with God yet. And then, because baptism plugs us in to this forsakenness by God, now that child, should he stay true to his baptismal vows, her baptismal vows, will one day be together with everyone. This is the mystery of this veiling and unveiling that we cannot see at every sacrament. When Jesus says, my God, my God, why didn't he say, Father, thou hast forsaken me? There's something about relationship. This is telling us that Jesus experienced something that's incredible. Why does the Bible say, he who knew no sin became sin for us? Jesus never sinned. That's dogma. He never split his body from his soul. But he became sin and sin died so that you and I don't have to die eternally. It's because of the crucifixion, suffering, and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then, what about this? I make up in my own sufferings for your sake in my flesh what is lacking in the suffering of Christ on behalf of his body, which is the church. Bring this into the older kids, that when you and I suffer, don't run from it necessarily, like there's sometimes, like if it, someone's attacking you, go ahead and run from the person, you say to those children. But when we can't help it, then, you know what my mom taught me and my papa taught me? like, whenever something, like I, I remember hurting my finger in the car, and my mom goes, offer it up. You know that. I had no idea what it meant. It meant, you, Monica Ashour, participate in Jesus Christ's death on the cross. Thankfully, my mom didn't translate that to me for me when I was little. It's too much to handle. But for us, it's time. It's time for us to understand the profundity of the sacraments. And then, why does Mother Teresa, when she was alive, call him, O oh, absent one? Y'all have heard of the dark night of the soul? Are you willing to be united with Jesus who hung upon the cross, his body, for the sake of others? It is real. This thing called being co-redeemers is real. But it's attached to the cross. So the older kiddos, they want to be heroes, as our first speaker said. They want to be challenged. So you tell them, like, when you're made fun of, when this happens, whatever, you know, your parents are going through divorce, all this suffering, don't forget that you are united with Christ. And that's how we're saved. Ironically, paradoxically, he was totally abandoned. And therefore, we're saved. Salvation, in my opinion, mostly means union and communion. That's what redemption is about. Union and communion. I'm going to skip that because I don't have time. Here we go. This is also in my book. Have you ever thought about this? This says in the Catechism, by the grace of God, Jesus tasted death for everyone. In the plan of salvation, God ordained that his son should not only die for our sins, but also takes death, experiencing the condition of death, the separation of his soul from his body. Between the time he expired on the cross and the time he was raised from the dead, the state of the dead Christ is the mystery of the tomb and descent into hell. It is the mystery of Holy Saturday. Lex Arande, Lex Credendi. The way we worship is the way we believe. What is the only day out of 365 days of the year can you and I not receive the Eucharist? Most people say Good Friday. That's wrong because we have a communion service. It is Holy Saturday. Why? Because Jesus' body was in the tomb. There was no body around, which is what I put in this 8th grade book, no body around. The church is brilliant. At your parishes, won't you go to your priest and say, please, Father, can we have the tabernacle empty for one day out of the year? And then he might say to you, you don't like the Eucharist? And you're like, no. I want to experience life without the body of Christ. And I want others. I, on Holy Saturday, I don't go buy a Sunday dress for Easter. I go to different parishes and I look and I'm like, this is a taste of hell. Not having the body of Christ. When we can't receive the body of Christ, what do we call that? Mortal sin. Help the children to understand the profundity of this. But then, don't forget that. uh, Sorry. Oh, I forgot. I'm supposed to read this. Here's Benedict. Jesus Christ, by remaining in death, passed beyond the door of the solitude. This is exactly what happened on Holy Saturday. The voice of God resounded in the realm of death. The unimaginable occurred, namely, love penetrated hell. Love penetrated hell. Wow. Okay, and so, oh, there it was. The Easter Vigil, we start in darkness because of this experience of hell, this isolation by our God, and his body is not reunited with him. But then, make no mistake about it, then the risen body is there. Then Jesus Christ, his selfsame body now aglow. That's also why the sacraments work. Don't forget cross but also the resurrection what's the only thing that rises from the dead you know what the answer is the body the body rises from the dead your body and so this is um pope benedict again the word becomes flesh in a real sense whenever human beings act out of authentic love i wanted to put this slide in because when you and i encounter christ if we don't love others with our bodies then it's for naught. All of the sacraments are no good unless we love others, unless we learn to love them. And then you and I are part of his body, the body of Christ. And then you might draw in this. Oops, that's my next talk. Another way we can look at this is Christ. We are part of the body of Christ. And here, this is Pope um, John Paul in his uh, encyclical about the body of Christ. That whenever you and I receive the Eucharist, it's like having the body of Christ like Mother Mary. Mother Mary, he said, Pope John Paul says, has the enraptured gaze whenever the body of Christ was within her at the conception of Christ. And then you and I, when we encounter Jesus, do you and I have an enraptured look, an enraptured gaze? Like, I can't believe it. His body came into my body. And since the body reveals a whole person, his personhood came into my personhood. This giving and receiving so that I might be fruitful by loving others. And so the most important words of the universe that you and I now know are this is my body. Have you ever thought about that? When our priests, when they elevate the Eucharist, They don't say, this is my spirit, this is my soul, this is my divinity. Why do they point to the body? (laughs) Because the body is a revelation of the person. And so when he raises up the Eucharist, and he says, this is my body, he means Jesus is a gift to all of us, all of him. He, He wants you and me to encounter him in that special way. But first, he had to say, this is my body, probably when he was growing up with his mother, Mary. Mommy, this is my body, and I'm a boy. And then he says it again. This is my body in the Eucharist. This is the, the picture I was telling you in the second grade book. This is my body at Mass. And then finally, he says this pointing to you and to me, especially you who are catechists and teachers. This is my body In other words, you and I are the hands and feet to serve the poor, to serve others in our lives. You and I, the catechism says, we are an extension of the incarnation. The sacraments allow us to have the strength, energy, the grace to be able to love. And so I would say with you, won't you say this is my body to all of those that you interact with? particularly when God unveils himself to you in the sacraments. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end, amen. Pope John Paul and Mother Mary and Saint Monica, whose feast day it is today, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. This has been a production from the Communications Office from the Diocese of Tulsa in Eastern Oklahoma. Be sure to check out all of our other podcasts at dioceseoftulsa.org slash podcast. Thank you so much and have a great day.